What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of National Pastime. John here with Toaster, as always. Uh, in today's episode, we're going to touch on the positional value of draft picks. So uh, if you listen to our first couple pods coming out of the draft, uh, there were a few picks in the first round specifically that we really didn't like. And uh, a lot of it doesn't have as much to do with the player. It's more about the process that the team took and the position that they targeted within the first round. So we wanted to get into a little more detail as to why we didn't like those picks. So uh, there's a couple things that have gone down even since the draft, some some comments that have been made, uh, let's say by Urban Meyer about their first round pick, Travis Etienne running back from Clemson, or Matt Rule even mentioned how they passed on Justin Fields to focus on JC Horn. and really that process is flawed for a number of reasons and we're going to get into that so here we go okay positional value of draft picks uh there's a lot to unpack here i I think one of the things i want to mention off the top is uh, a lot of times when you're talking about the reasons that picks are bad because of their positional value or the relative value uh, that those positions have across the league, it it's not just a stats nerd thing. It's not an analytics thing. There's plenty of anecdotal evidence to support why certain positions really just shouldn't be targeted in the first round. So we're going to get into that. Um, Toaster, I'm going to get us started here with something that just came up recently with Matt Rule, the head coach of the Carolina Panthers. Um, He was asked about passing on Justin Fields and going with J.C. Horn. And his quote was, that the hit rate on first round quarterbacks isn't real, real high. Now, doesn't he already have a quarterback he's investing in $18 million next year? That was a first round pick that was not a hit. Uh, yeah, he is. Yeah. That's uh, on the nose with that one. So maybe it, if the hit rate's not that high, he should take more hits would be my, my recommendation to him there. Exactly. And and that's kind of the whole point here, right? It's like, yeah, it's true. Hit rate isn't high for first round quarterbacks. It's also the highest round where, or the highest hit rate of any round is in the first round with these guys. You can't bank on there. There's only so many Tom Brady's Russell Wilson's Dak Prescott's out there. And even Derek Carr's and Kirk cousins, like that's few and far between that you're getting value at that position. And Uh, I get that the hit rate may may not be that high, but it's also, you know, skewed by the Browns and that they took, what, 18 first round quarterbacks in the last 20 years, something like that. So uh, you can say the hit rate's not that high, but the hit rate in the first round is far higher than the hit rate in any round after that. Yeah, a hundred percent. And even if you miss on a first round guy, right? Like, uh, well, let's say quote unquote miss here. Let's say the guy doesn't become a superstar, but he's a solid starter, an average starter, which again, you have the best uh, chance of hitting, of getting one of those guys in the first, right? And that still sets you up with what really is the single greatest team building asset, a cheap quarterback, Right. And, you know, I I look at Mac Jones sort of through that lens. Do I think Mac Jones has the super high ceiling? No, but I think Mac Jones is going to be really solid and a really solid quarterback on a rookie scale contract in today's NFL. That is valuable as hell. You're paying him less than 10 million a year for four years, cost controlled uh, contract. That is putting them in the bottom 20 of QB salaries. So, you take your you take a hit you take a shot with a cost controlled contract and get somebody that may develop into something and if they don't at the very least you weren't blowing salary cap money on somebody that was still holding back your team because gosh knows that still happens today right kirk cousins has a 30 plus million dollar contract at this point in time and he's won two primetime games yeah and the cousins example i think is great because um, if you believe some of the reporting coming out of the draft, which, you know, I don't think there's any reason not to, uh, the Vikings at 14 were 
looking at Justin Fields and if he would have fallen there, they more than likely would have taken him, but on that, which is fine, but they also explored moving up in the draft in order to get him, which now we know they only would have had to move up three picks potentially. And they weren't willing to pay the price of extra draft picks for him. And so now you're stuck. Like you said, Kirk cousins, his average uh, contract or the average value of his deal is $33 million a year for somebody that's not a star. That is absolutely handcuffing for a team. Absolutely. And it's not that you always have to be evaluating your future, but there have been some questionable, questionable decisions coming out of uh, the NFC North recently, as far as quarterbacks go. So I wouldn't, I, I, it almost seems like a, a division conundrum rather than a specific team conundrum uh, with them. But why you're continuing to invest in Kirk cousins when he has not been able to get you over the hump short of a Minneapolis miracle uh, it is a little beyond me because I think Justin Fields was the number two quarterback in the draft. And the fact that he fell into double digits is astro- absolutely shocking, especially when you look at it in the context of positional value. Yeah. I mean, it, ultimately like is Kirk cousins, a good quarterback? Yes. Is Kirk cousins at $33 million valuable to a team? I'm going to say no. And that that's exactly why you draft quarterbacks and yes, they don't have a high hit rate, but no position really does. I mean, if you dig into the numbers, I'm sure there's a little more security when it comes to offensive linemen and, and things of that nature. But you, you know, you're talking about a, a less impactful position overall. I mean, you, you need to be looking at ways to reduce your cost at that highest position. And yeah, if you have a Patrick Mahomes, if you have a Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers, obviously you need to pay those guys, but those are the guys that can carry a team on their own. And you don't have to allocate as much capital other spaces. Kirk Cousins doesn't get you over the hump uh, over the hump on his own. So you're going to need to continue to pump resources in other areas and eventually the money runs out. And that that's, that's the whole point here, right? With the hard cap in the NFL, the money runs out. It's all about resource allocation. The first round gives you your best opportunity to get high end talent on the cheap. And that's why you need to target the positions that end up costing you a lot of money that are less irreplaceable, that are less replaceable in the first round, not to mention you get that, that fifth year option, that team option, which I know isn't as impactful anymore because it's fully guaranteed. It's not just guaranteed for injury like it used to be, but that still gives you the opportunity to lock in a player before they hit free agency at a fit, you know, a, a a known rate, I should say, you're not out there competing with other people. And that's why you can't be wasting first round picks on positions that are easily replaceable, that you could fill with a fourth rounder and make it work. It's just mind blowing to me that teams still haven't figured this out yet. And what is the ultimate goal of the team? Quite frankly, are you trying to get a playoff spot? Are you trying to win a Super Bowl? Because I think you've seen enough out of the Kirk Cousins, the uh, golf, I guess you could still say is up in the air, but even, you know, the Garoppolo's, the cars, like, are they taking you to that next level? And jokes on you because you've got to pay 30 plus million on that second contract. That's the only way that you're retaining any of that talent. So continue to swing for the fences. I think that's where Jalen, the Jalen Hurts situation is again, another team that should not have passed on a quarterback because you don't know what you have and waiting that extra year to find that out uh, could set them back quite frankly, two to three years because the the draft class in this, in this uh, 2021 draft was extremely strong and you're not going to see that again in coming years unless they're the quarterback, the quarterback man. class you mean, right? Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, it doesn't make sense to pay a quarterback that's mediocre. It just doesn't. And the fact that teams have continually, and and this draft class, I think really highlights it, but the fact that teams like the Panthers, the Broncos, the 
Giants who traded with the Bears, um, the Eagles, like you mentioned, even going down to the the Lions and the Dolphins at six, like you just can't <laughs> you can't pass on those opportunities. You just can't, and those are the op- those are the situations that fuck you up for years to come years and years to come and you can tread water and that's fine but history has shown us that unless you have an elite quarterback your only chance of winning a super bowl is catching lightning in a bottle it's it's joe flacco getting hot it's nick Foles getting hot in the playoffs it's not sustainable catching a football against his helmet with uh, gum on on the top of it. Um, the other thing is, I mean, when you look at the capital that people are giving up to the Texans, if you look at back that they would have been drafting number three, but chose to invest in a left tackle and a wide receiver, thinking that they had the quarterback of the future. But again, now they're drafting somebody in the third round that's probably not going to set them over the edge. And they're going to be right back in the situation where they need a first round draft pick at quarterback in the next year. Uh, Yeah. I mean, they might be sitting there at number one next year and looking at Spencer Rattler. So yeah, it's, it's just a losing game when you don't target the high end positions and, you know, we can continue to rail on quarterback because obviously it's the most important position. It's the most expensive position, but realistically, I mean, there, there are other positions that like are of value in the first round, your tackles, right? The, the, uh, really any position that has a positive impact on the passing game. And, it, you know, those are the the guys, those elite guys are hard to find. You really only find them early in the first round at a significant rate. And then their second contracts become expensive. So the longer that you can hold on to them at a cheap rate allows you to invest elsewhere. And that's how you need to build your team. And the fact that we still have teams in 2021 taking running backs in the first round blows my mind. And that leads me to sort of the next uh, most recent example of this, but the Travis Etienne pick. Um, I, I believe on draft night, Urban Meyer was like, he sees him as a third round or sorry, a third down back, which Wait, I thought First he was the wide all, receiver out of Clemson. <laughs> well, he is now. And now they're trying to convert him to receiver or giving him all his reps at receiver and rookie minicamp. If you wanted a receiver, just draft a receiver. It just, it, by the time the Jags are going to be ready to compete, Travis Etienne is going to need a new contract. And you cannot pay a running back a second contract in today's NFL. You just can't. I don't care how good they are at catching the ball. Le'Veon Bell was one of the best all-around backs that we've seen in the modern era, one of the best at running routes, catching balls. He showed very quickly he was not worth the money that he was given on that second deal. And there's no examples. There, There are no recent examples of a team paying a running back or, you know, I guess investing high draft capital uh, in a running back that's worked out except for the Pats in 2019 with Sony Michelle. But again, they had Tom Brady. And in 2019, Sony Michelle was only making $1.7 million against the cap. So it's not, not detrimental necessarily. But was it really Sony Michelle either? They just didn't pick up his fifth year option this week or late last week right uh so again replacement value over replacement may not have been there uh sony michelle was definitely not an all-star until their their playoff run so they drafted a running back next the next year they drafted a running back this year they're trying to do it on the cheap uh and conversely Najee harris and travis Etienne are now getting paid top 20 running back money on their rookie contract and that's just where the value is not there um it, it is a little skewed because the raiders are also paying three running backs in the top 25 uh but <laughs> as far as where you're trying to get the money if you look at the running back contracts and the teams that are successful chiefs low 28 
Seahawks have Chris Carson technically, um, but Patriots on the low end, 49ers on the low end. It's just not a position that has value when you have to pay for that second contract. Granted, you are able to use them as as a as a gadget back, like a McCaffrey, a Kamara, and that does have value. But then you also look at the Elliots, and is it really Zeke that's getting your team to the next level, or is it a tremendous offensive line that you could have spent a first round draft pick on? And a, a, a quarterback, I'm not going to call Dak a superstar because I still have question marks on him, but somebody that threatens the defense from a passing perspective. Yeah, no, you nailed it 100%. And that that's the other reason that you don't want to invest high-end draft capital on running backs because they are highly, highly dependent on the situation around them. Is Zeke an, uh, an outstanding football player, an outstanding runner? Absolutely. Is Najee Harris a great runner? Absolutely. That there's it's not a knock on these guys' ability. It's the overall impact that they have on the game. And you take away a good offensive line because now you're paying Zeke, you know, top three running back money, and you don't have as much money to spend elsewhere. And all of a sudden he's not as effective. And not only is he less effective, but now your offense as a whole is less effective because if you don't have a good offensive line, it affects the passing game. It affects everything. And there's only one position that you can't scheme against. And that's quarterback. Everybody else can be taken out of the game, right? Double teams, chop blocks, all sorts of things you can do to an edge running back, even a wide receiver, double, you know, double teaming coverage over the top, which is what they should be doing against Tyree kill at this point. Um, There's one position that you cannot take the ball out of their hands and that's quarterback. Everybody else is on a completely different tier. And that's what the, the contracts show no other position is even approaching 45 million in annual value. No, and definitely not running backs. And so I think this stat came up last year and uh, it was really interesting, but I I decided to go back now and and take another look. So the the leading rushers on the last five Super Bowl champions and how much money they were paying those guys against the cap. Tampa, it was Ronald Jones who counted 1.9 against the cap and the only reason he's that high is because he was a second round pick and he's later into his rookie deal. Uh, 2020, it was the Chiefs with Damian Williams and he counted 1.7 against the cap. Uh, 2019, it was the Pats. We mentioned Sony Michelle, 1.7. 2018, Eagles was LeGarrette Blunt at one and a quarter million. And 2017 was the Pats with LeGarrette Blunt at one million. There's just no recent examples of Super Bowl winning teams that invest heavy money in that position. And when you're looking at Travis Etienne and the Jags, they're not going to be competing for a Super Bowl in the next few years. They're just not. I love Trevor Lawrence. They're just not going to. And that his salary will continue to creep up every single year until his rookie deal is done. And you just can't be investing that kind of money in people, especially the Jags especially know this, or they should know this, because they had an undrafted free agent running back last year, James Robinson, have 1,400 scrimmage yards and 10 tuds. Like, you can find guys like that. I thought you were going to go the opposite way and that they already took a top five draft pick in Leonard Fournette and it didn't work out. So they got rid they waived their top five running back pick for an undrafted free agent and got more production out of the undrafted free agent than they did on their number four overall draft pick from, I want to say, 2016. Replaceability. replaceability and and that's why it just doesn't it's not a good long-term strategy now are there examples can you think of an example where it would be okay to draft a running back in the first round like uh, the first one that pops into my head is Clyde Edwards Hilaire from last year because the Chiefs were already a pretty complete team but even then use that draft pick on an offensive lineman, even if at the time he's going to be a backup, because now they've already had to trade a first round pick for Orlando Brown and they're going to have to pay him 
a lot of money soon. So like, it, what is Clyde Edwards Hilaire doing for you that, you know, somebody that you couldn't pick up like a Damian Williams two years ago can do for you? Yeah. Yeah. I think running backs a special position in that regard and that your top tier talent is truly top tier talent, but the wins above replacement for that top tier talent is minuscule compared to the other positional values. So, uh, I was actually would have been completely fine with the bucks taking ETN at, uh, 32, because I think that would be great for their offense. It's not they're They're not in a long-term situation anyways. So run that quarter or run that running back into the ground, get him for two, three years while you still have Brady. And that's your James white out of the backfield. I think it would have been fun to watch, but when you look at it from a team building perspective, that'd be, you're not looking to get a running back on a second contract in this day and age. You're looking to use them, abuse them, and then send them on their way where they're making now probably the same amount of money they were on their rookie contract if they're drafted in the first round as they are in their second and third contract uh, when you put when you let them go. Yeah, no, that's actually a great point because the Bucks are on Brady's timeline. So it, it does make sense short term value if you feel like you're locked in on these other positions to to go for it and and get a guy that you think is a playmaker. It's just. But I think that um, that example, right, is uh, it goes against the overall point we're making here, which is the the solid team building strategy that everyone should be employing when they're looking at the value of these first round picks is long term outlook. And you should never be looking short term in in the situation and like. Well, maybe not never, right? I, I think maybe the Packers last year with Jordan Love took um, went a little too far in the long-term outlook uh, situation. But it, ultimately, like you've got to be thinking more than a year or two down the road in almost every single scenario. And when you're doing that, you're looking at, you know... A, Okay, is a running back? Is this running back going to be worth paying in four years? And in this four-year time period, are we going to get what we need from him to put us over the top? I mean, clearly, you don't need a top-tier running back in order to win the Super Bowl. So, it what are we doing here? I know you're not prepared for this, and and I don't want to uh, make bad uh, bad pod, but who's the last running back that? carried through their second contract that was actually useful i think alvin Kamara is still a little too early on his contract for me to say long term that's ultimately a good decision um but zeke definitely had a down year christian mccaffrey was injured dalvin cook was injured he did he did spectacularly when he was available but he he was injured uh it, joe mixon got paid again melvin gordon got paid again uh, Saquon just got his fifth year picked up. Like if you go down the top paid in the top paid running backs, you're not looking at something that's overly successful. You can, you can call Derek Henry, but he's also in a offense that's very, very different than what you're typically going to be able to run, uh, with, uh, in today's day and age, right? That's true powerhouse football. And that that's kind of going the way of, uh, it's, it's on its way out. Right. Yeah. There's very few guys that can actually pull that off. But even then, how reliant, you know, is he on their offensive line to execute on their scheme on on Tannehill's ability to be productive over the top on play action? Like it's just doesn't. I mean, and have they challenged really and like th this year? This will this year will be a big year for them to see that right once they've totally. lost Johnny Smith as a seam somebody that a linebacker's got to cover up the seam down the middle, uh, as well as Corey Davis is 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 out now and they I don't think they appropriately replaced either of those positions so uh, it, it does remain to be seen whether or not he's able to be successful in that scheme where he's not getting that hesitation from the linebacker on trying to cover Johnny Smith up the middle or Corey Davis running a running a, a curl route right. Yeah. D trust me, man. I think, <laughs> I think Derrick Henry is incredible. Like tractor Cito season is fun as hell. 
at the end of the year where he nobody wants to tackle him when it's cold. I get it. But the replacement value is just not there. And you look at the value that the best running backs in the league bring versus let's say the worst, the best starters and the worst starters. Like you mentioned, it's negligible. And so many of these teams that you're looking at that have paid a running back a second time have just such clear and obvious examples in front of them, like the Jaguars, that they just didn't follow. Like the Seahawks, okay? The Seahawks need to, they need to be doing things, right? The the way that Russ wants them to be done. They need to be investing in the offensive line. They need to be getting more receivers, they paid Chris Carson. Chris Carson was a seventh round pick that they got great value out of for four years. <laughs> Move on. When he was on the field. Yes. And, and not only, but you know, that's why you, you just keep cycling those guys through. They also made the fucking mistake of drafting Rashad Penny in the first round who they're now not picking up his fifth year option. Like what the fuck are you doing? It's just, Oh, the, and, and Rashad Penny's making essentially the same amount of money as ETN uh, is this year. It just makes no sense. It makes no sense to me. And, you know, there are value, like, um, I think a great example of sort of that bucks what we're talking about to some degree is Quentin Nelson. Okay. Interior offensive line is generally not a, a position that you, you want to spend a high pick on because you can find capable starters more often than not in the middle rounds, even in the late rounds of the draft. Quentin Nelson is a freak of nature and he's insanely valuable to that team. But when was the last time that a interior offensive lineman as your team's best player he carried you to the Super Bowl you know I, I think about the same thing with uh the, the Cardinals just traded up for Elijah Vera Tucker they were just a, they were just a guard away yeah exactly you are in a a long-term team building situation here do I think Vera Tucker is a good player absolutely they probably also could have sat there at 23 and gotten him if we're being perfectly honest but yeah, it just makes no sense. And then, you know, there's uh, interior offensive line is one. I, I think another one is your off ball or inside linebacker position. And you just see so many examples of teams reaching for those picks. When was the last time a team with an, uh, an elite or their best player was an off ball linebacker? was the Super Bowl champion. I mean, like, the, the first one that comes to mind is Ray Lewis and the Ravens. Uh, but we're talking 2000, you know? And even their most recent Super Bowl, I wouldn't say he was their best player by any means. He he had value, but he was probably replacement level at that point. Yet you still have teams like the Cardinals that now two years in a row have taken an off-ball linebacker with a top 20 draft pick. And Isaiah Simmons was a top 10 pick. It's like, what, what are we doing here? The bears did the same thing in 2018 with Roquan Smith. And do I think these guys are great players? It, some of them, absolutely. Roquan played at an all pro level last year. Roquan Smith being an all pro, it doesn't get the bears over the hump. I'm sorry. And it's not to say he's not a good player, but there's got to be a better way to to build out that position and spending high draft picks when now they picked up they had to pick up his fifth year option you just don't want to continue paying those positions high high dollar amounts because they're replaceable and it just blows my mind that teams keep doing this i i agree with you to an extent, but I also think that linebackers an interesting position in that I think its value is going to increase substantially in the new spread offenses that the that the league's going towards. Because if you watched the Super Bowl with Levante David and Devin White, those two working together, being able to get sideline to sideline as well as stuff things up the middle, is 
the only way you're going to be successful against the new era of quarterbacks that are able to extend time in the pocket. If you're getting more than four seconds to throw, then those linebackers basically become cornerbacks and you need that range and that athletic ability to be successful. I don't think that the Cardinals drafted those necessarily. I, I think they wanted that in Isaiah Simmons. I think they want that in Collins, but ultimately that position will become more valuable over time. It's just not there yet. And the contracts aren't commiserate with the savings that you're ultimately going to get by drafting another position. But even then, you, okay, you, you're right. Those guys are valuable because if you have linebackers that can play the run, that could also cover well enough. I mean, that that is a very valuable skill in today's NFL. But there's plenty of good athletes, big safeties, guys that can can get sideline to sideline and can cover in space that don't need to be taken in the first round. And you don't need guys that can you know, coming up and playing the run is, is not, you don't need to be an elite player at that skill to have value, right? Like we, we just mentioned, there's very few smash mouth football teams anymore. So get guys that are fast, that can cover, that are big enough and scheme them up to, to create that value and don't pay them you know, at the high end of the position, it just doesn't make sense in, in most teams outlooks. I mean, again, there's always exceptions, but we're talking about what teams should be doing, what should be the rule and what's the best outcome for most people. That's fair. And then when you're looking at a first round draft pick, you're also looking at somebody typically that you're not hoping you need to coach up substantially. You're not hoping that there's a scheme that needs to be run to dive into this, this individual's strengths. You're wanting somebody that's polished, able to execute and not somebody that basically needs to be either retaught or schemed into to be successful. And I think that that's a lot, a lot of the reason that, Bill Belichick picks up great people on their second contract because people are reaching for talent that they can't ultimately develop in the first round. And Bill's like, well, I know what to do with this person. I can get mm -hmm. him on the cheap. And the second contract goes to somebody else after they haven't proven themselves. I mean, Kyle Van Noy, right? Like he was lost, uh, not a first round draft pick, but just was not the, he was ready to be waived and for the lions. Right. And then goes to the Patriots, builds up his value, becomes a team captain for Miami, gets cut again because they overpaid him for what he's able to produce. And now he's back with the Patriots on a cheap contract. So if you're if you're going for a linebacker because you think you can make them into your system, that's that's the wrong way to go about talent evaluation in the first round. That's what you want out of your third, fourth, fifth round picks that say, hey, I see a lot of potential here in the first round. You're looking for people plug and play. Don't need to worry about it. And linebackers, not really one of those positions, edge, tackle, quarterback, wide receiver. Yep. You're looking for scheme independent people. And I think uh, you touched on this earlier, but the only position that's truly scheme independent um, because you can't take the ball out of their hands is a quarterback. Now, granted, we do know you know, non-elite guys need to be schemed up in different ways, but Again, we're, you're not jumping to to draft those guys high necessarily, but it, all these other positions, right? On some level, it, how many inside linebackers, how many off-ball linebackers in today's NFL are truly scheme independent that could play in any situation and have a severe impact on the game? Like, can you think of anybody off the top of your head? I can't, maybe I'm just being an asshole no, right now no it's it's not about being an asshole it's that it's a position that's dependent on probably about six or seven other individuals on the field shut yep. down corner maybe you can get away with it but you're still going to need some pass rush to be successful because you're not going to be able to guard somebody forever and an off ball safety that just has great ball hawking and instinct like a troy Polamalu, you can say yeah that's worth it but i think troy also got lucky in a lot of his reads right you can call it instincts but you can also call it overplaying and happen to make the right call uh tackle 
is one of them because you can get the appropriate amount of support if they're trying to take on an elite tackle and then quarterback, as we said. Yeah. Edge edge is an interesting one for me. It's, it's right on the cusp um, because we know, again, everything that we're talking about here needs, it all comes back to the quarterback, right? Things that support the quarterback the most, things that combat solid quarterback play, that's where you want to invest your resource because that's where the league is going and it's not trending the other direction, I, I promise you. So edge edge is valuable because those guys are provide pass rush, right? And um, to some level, you have guys that are scheme independent, um, it, you know, Khalil it's Mack. Stats, it's stats versus impact, though, right? Sure. Everybody looks at Mac's stats and they say they're down. And, but is his impact ultimately down? Has he been opening up opportunities for other players? Right. Uh, there is, uh, you know, listening to Sean McVay. Um, and they're trying to scheme Darnold into a one-on-one -on -one situation every opportunity they can. And that's their game plan, right? So that yeah. he can be as impactful as possible. But they can't do that on every single play. He's dependent on other players around him to make that happen. Uh, and, but that is another reason why interior defensive linemen that can create a pass rush is probably, I would say, the second most valuable position in the NFL. I, outside of quarterback, you would say ahead of tackle? Ahead of uh, tackle. Offensive tackle? Yep. Interesting. To be able to blow up the pocket, quarterback cannot step into the, into the pass, is the most disruptive you can be to that. Tackle? My left tackle gets beat. I've got Patrick Mahomes back there that can run bootleg outright and throw the ball away. Justin Fields ran a 4-4, right? He can create space. He can create time. It's not going to be consistent. It's not going to be as as effective ultimately as being secure in the pocket. But if that pressure is coming from up the middle and you're able to wrap two edges around him, around him he can't go anywhere. And that's why Darnold is a perennial defensive Donald. MVP. Or sorry, Donald. Yeah, is a perennial uh, defensive player of the year candidate. Yeah, I mean, but how many of those guys exist, right? Like Aaron Donald. I, I'm just going to read some of the the most expensive guys here: Aaron Donald, Leonard Williams, DeForest Buckner, Chris Jones, Kenny Clark, Fletcher Cox, Grady Jarrett, Cam Hayward, J.J. Watt. I mean, where? <laughs> I, Donald is special. Donald is special. And I agree with you that interior pressure, uh, pass rush is super valuable. But like, how many of these guys just are world beaters that you want to spend a ton of money on? And maybe that speaks to your point. You know, that's why you want to get them if you can in the first round and not have to pay them a second contract. Exactly. But it, it's, uh, you know, you look at some some other names that are counting a decent amount of money against the cap here, and are they really like game changers, like a a DJ Reader, a Javon Hargrave, Stephon Tuitt, Akeem Hicks, a Dalvin Tomlinson, Grover Stewart? I mean, the, the good players, yes, but these guys are all on on deals that are paying them, you know, north of ten million dollars a year. That, that's tough. So you know what? I I can get on board with that um, interior lineman. I mean, we're, we're really what we're really talking about here is like running backs, tight ends, interior offensive line, um, it, you know, off ball linebackers. It, it, those are the positions that you really just should not be investing too much in. And I would like to see this this is very like Madden-esque, but I, I would like to see a team basically deploy that strategy and never draft a position in the first round that's not a quarterback, a tackle, an edge, or an interior like an interior pass rusher, like like you're saying. Like never take any other position. And even if you have starters and above average starters at those positions, continue to take them because now you have uh, potential players that you can trade and get value from, or you let guys go 
and they get picked up and you get a comp pick. So it playing that game, you know, it, it almost makes it worth it to never draft anything else in the first round. I, I would like to see that anyway. It's, it's almost the strategy the Patriots have employed because they have not drafted a successful person at any of the skill positions in the first round, which is one of my biggest fears for, for Mac Jones right now. Uh, but I think that they see the value in not investing highly in those sexy positions because the, while the sexy positions get paid, um, they're not good at drafting those sexy positions. And so let's get depth, let's get security on the things that actually ultimately matter. And then having one of the best quarterbacks in the history of the league also helps you not being able to draft a first round. Actually, I don't think they've drafted a single wide receiver, right? Outside the seventh round that's actually made it as a starter to their team. No, oh, you would Jacoby know My better. Jacoby Myers is undrafted. Uh, I know Edelman was a seventh round draft pick, and I, I can't think in recent memory of anybody else. I mean, Nikhil Harry, you can call him a starter, but um, I, I, I don't think he'll be a starter for long. Uh, it, that's why you brought in two new wide receivers and two new tight ends on, on contracts because you were not happy with the production you were getting there. Yeah. Yeah, you're probably right um, because the other Patriots receivers that come to mind are guys they traded for, um, yeah. Welker, Moss. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, even uh, Amendola, right? Wasn't he initially with Miami? I believe he was undrafted. Um, he was undrafted. Oh, okay. But yeah, but you know, you think they think they're going to hit. They got Aaron Dobson, who has that insane catch from Marshall, and you're like, okay, here's Randy Moss 2.0 and completely flames out. Uh, <laughs> they, they just have not been good at drafting in that position in the early rounds. And luckily, they've been able for luckily for Patriots fans, they've been able to to manage that. But it goes to show that the positional value of getting a getting a tackle, getting a guard in the sixth round like they did last year, just take all your shots at those positions that you need to secure your quarterback and then pick up everything else that's either on the waiver wire, trade fodder, um, undrafted free agents at the positions that are don't have the same wins above replacement value. Yeah. Well, and I think that just brings us back full circle to go after quarterbacks, go after high-end quarterbacks, because if you secure that, everything else is easy, right? Talking about how much, how many misses the Patriots have had on skill position players in the first round, it hadn't mattered. It doesn't matter because they have Tom Brady, right? And there's plenty of teams like, um, you know, obviously Aaron Rodgers in the news for a lot of reasons right now, but uh, the Packers say what you will about the fact that they've only won one Super Bowl with Rodgers, but they are in the conversation every year because of him and nothing else. And, it, you know, the, there's just so much you can't overstate the value of a quarterback, a, a high, high-end quarterback to a team. It makes everything else easy. And it's why, unless you have one of those guys, you continue to take shots. And it's why we shit on what the Panthers, the Broncos, the Eagles, the Giants, to some degree, even the Lions and uh, Miami, like I said, I mean, the Falcons, the Falcons. And I get if, that if they, they are. They, if they're trading Julio Jones, then that would go down as the biggest draft miss in the 2021 draft is not picking up fields. There's one more thing that I want to point out on this is the quarterback's also a position that doesn't decline in value despite not having successful play. You either yeah. take your quarterback and can try to make them your franchise for the next 15 years, or you can still get second round draft picks out of them. Josh Rosen, they drafted Josh Rosen. The Cardinals drafted Josh Rosen in the first round. The next year, they fall to the number one overall pick, choose Kyler Murray over Josh Rosen, still get a mid-40s pick for Rosen. Um Darnold yep. got a future second rounder for him after being one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. So if you look at it from a not just a, a wins above replacement value at the first at the initial draft, they still have more value than anybody else you could bust on in that first round. So maybe Matt rules right. Maybe not a lot of people hit in the first round. But guess what? They still get second round value out of that quarterback the next year whenever they decide to get offload them. 
Yeah. And maybe that's another great way to look at this too, is like um, offensive tackles hold somewhat similar value in that a guy can underperform and you can still get something significant for him. You can get a, a top 100 draft pick for a former first round offensive tackle more often than not. Conversely, you get a running, let's say you have a running back that produces how many teams are looking to give you picks for those guys. I mean, uh, the one that just popped into my head, but Jordan Howard, you know, the bears drafted him in the fifth round and he has a very successful first few years and they flip him to the Eagles for, uh, I believe it was a fifth round pick. I think they got like that value back for him. And it's like, that's how you play the game with that position. You know what I mean? And, but clearly there, there aren't people banging down the door to give you high draft picks for uh, running backs, even productive ones, but unproven quarterbacks. Hey man, people, people will throw shit at you for sure. And that maybe tells the whole story. One of my biggest disappointments in NFL history is the disaster that the midseason Trent Richardson trade between oh. the Browns and the Colts ended up being. Uh, I thought that Trent Richardson was a productive quarter, uh, productive running back. Flipped a first round pick. He was number three overall. Colts gave them a first rounder back. Yep. And I was like, let's go. This is the catalyst that we need to make the NFL have the same trade deadline fodder as the NBA, the MLB, all these other fun leagues. Yep. And when that crashed and burned, so did my hope that we would be flipping players at the trade deadline every year. Yeah, you think that scared teams off a little bit? A hundred percent. Yeah, I can see that. And y- you know how risk averse uh, the league is, which maybe that that is ultimately the the mindset that plays into a lot of this, right? It's... It's Matt Rule saying, well, you know, you don't you don't hit high or you don't hit often on high end quarterbacks. So we're going to take the less risky play here and take a corner that we know is good. And it's like, fine. But that guy's best case scenario, that guy's value to you is a fraction of what best case scenario, Justin Fields value is to you. And I think that's the gamble that you have to take every single time. Yeah. If PF, uh, looking at the top 10 war average from PFF, uh, top 10 quarterback, 2.5 wins above replacement cornerback 0.5 wins above replacement. So that means you need to draft five first round cornerbacks to make up for the <laughs> same wins above replacement value that you would to pass on that quarterback. And Guess what? 2.5 wins above replacement makes sense for where the Panthers are right now because they won five games last year to even make it into the playoffs. You need a quarterback and maybe that quarterback is Sam Darnold, but I would rather have Darnold Bridgewater and fields competing in my quarterback room and say, we'll figure it out later and we can flip, we can flip uh, Bridgewater for a future fifth, sixth round pick like they did. Uh, it, and live to fight another day. But at the same time, I have three quarterbacks that are all competing at the most position, uh, most important position on my roster. Yeah. And for this year, especially, right. It made sense because Darnold was on the last year of his rookie deal. uh, Well, the fourth year of his rookie deal, his fifth year option uh, being picked up is almost 19 million guaranteed. But um, this, this is the year you do that a hundred percent. Well, and if you look at the trade value, what they traded for Darnold, would you have not traded to get that in fields? I would have taken the hit and say, okay, we're not picking up Sam Darnold's fifth year option because they didn't do that until the Friday after the first round of the draft. You could have said, uh, easily could have played that off in PR that says, yeah, we brought this guy in. We didn't think fields would be available to us at, at, at eight. And am I that? pissed about giving up a future second rounder to secure him? No, because I probably would have given that to move into the top four to secure him at, at, instead of the Kyle Pitts pick for for the Falcons, right? So yeah. that, I think that was a big miss. Broncos, I hope they weren't just drinking the Kool-Aid on the Aaron Rodgers fodder that uh, broke that same day. 
and then lions you've been in <laughs> perennial just purgatory at, at I don't know why. I wouldn't even call it purgatory. Shot. They're they're like a, a level Sorry. of hell below purgatory. I would right. think. We're in purgatory because we have to watch them every Thanksgiving because of history. Yeah. It, the Lions, again, what are you doing? Sewell, Sewell, by all accounts, looks like he's going to be a great player. By the time you're competitive, he's going to be costing you a lot of fucking money I, and that's that's money that could be going towards a quarterback. And Goff, to be fair, they do have they do have a substantial amount of money paid towards a quarterback. Uh, that is true, but I just think they they're you're playing with house money if you're the Lions at that point, right? You have zero expectations to compete anytime soon. Get in a quarterback start to build the pieces around that player. And when you're ready to be good, if that guy is the right guy, then you figure the rest of it out because it's easier at that point. And it's just, I don't know. It, it doesn't make sense to me. It, it doesn't make sense that teams continue to waste money on positions that don't, well, not that they don't bring value, but that aren't putting you over the top and are easily replaceable. And it, unfortunately, there's a lot of teams in the league that continue to do things in a very, very strange way, despite all this information that we have available to us. All right, everyone. Well, we're going to wrap there. Uh, we could probably keep talking in circles on this for another hour, but um, hopefully you got a little bit of a better understanding of positional value, at, at least made you think a little differently than you were before about this stuff, especially in regard to running backs. But um, we're going to have another pod coming out on Thursday this week where we get into a take that Toaster here has that I find really interesting related to the selection of Mac Jones by Bill Belichick and the Patriots and maybe some outside influence into that pick. So it's going to be fun. Uh, like I said, stay tuned Thursday. Thanks for listening. Subscribe where you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at NPTFBall. Uh, you can also subscribe on our Anchor page. And Anchor actually has something set up where you can give us, you know, a little bit of monetary help to keep the pod going. Um, something as little as a dollar a month goes a long way. So uh, check that out. If you're so inclined and you like the content, otherwise, anything from you, Toaster, before we sign off? Did we hit on kickers? First round value of kickers? I think we're going to have to do a whole other pod okay. for that. Yeah, okay. We'll get to that. We'll get to that at a later date. Yeah. Mark your calendars, people. Have a good one.